to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, as always. Thanks for joining us today. Now, I hope as you tune in that you get my mission in life clearly is to change that word sales from something that is that icky, sleazy manipulation that we really do have to come from a place of love, care, and respect. It's a choice, right? But I hope my guests and I provide some ideas for how to navigate, again, always coming from love, care, and respect. Of course, to help you on your journey, I have a free gift for you. If you go in the show notes, I have a link to my communication style assessment. You get two reports, one spotlighting your natural communication superpowers, which is how people are perceiving you. You want to lean into that, leverage it. Flip side, you'll get a a report on your blind spot or your lowest score, which probably is more impactful so that you see how you are disconnected when communicating with others. That could really be or, or actually change your sales game to a big extent. Now, also, if you're loving the show, please, please rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And I do read the ratings and the reviews, and I love reading your love notes. So thank you for all of those who have done so in the past. Now, my motivational quote today is by Henry Ward Beecher, and he says, a law is valuable, not because it's a law, but because there is a right in it. Now, I know I have blind spots, certainly when it comes to business, life in general, but definitely in business, especially legal matters, not my jam, not my background. And just like many other business owners, I needed to hire an attorney to write my contracts for my corporate clients. Um, the terms of agreement, privacy notices, the, the podcast, right, that I can use this information any way I choose. All of that, you need legal, um, you need a legal expertise to handle that. My biggest fear, I think, is that what if I miss something that could come back and bite me in the rear end down the road? And here's the thing you say, oh, I was innocent. Oh, I was ignorant. No excuse. So whatever your answers are as it relates to your legal situation and business, I have an amazing guest today. His name is Mitchell Beinhacker. Probably said that wrong. Um, Say it for me, Mitch. Beinhacker. Beinhacker. See, it was much easier than what I just made it. So Mitch Beinhacker is a corporate attorney and business advisor who runs a solo legal consulting practice, Beinhacker Law, and he represents business owners, entrepreneurs, executives, and professionals. So please help me welcome Mitch to the show. And thank you for being on, my friend. This is an important topic. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, Connie. I was looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. And and I don't know, do you find... um, I'm going to say small business owners because I think corporate they have they have legal counsel on yeah, retainer right yeah right or in house. So do you find the small business owner they don't even know what to ask you? I, I think that as small business owners we we're kind of thrown into a world where we kind of do things ourselves, especially you know to get started. And and I think you look at it that way when it comes to dealing with a lawyer. Only corporations deal with lawyers. Only large companies deal with lawyers. And I think that. It's not until the business owner gets into trouble, we'll talk about what that means in a little bit, that they realize that they really need legal counsel. I've been doing this for you know more than 30 years. So I've obviously reviewed a lot of contracts, written a lot of contracts, dealt with a lot of situations that you as the business owner writing one contract is, you know, besides the fact you don't know the law, just the things that you don't think about and, and the um, misunderstandings and the disputes that you have to deal with when it comes to and, you know, dealing with legal counsel and making better decisions for your business. It's not something you should really handle. I agree. And, you know, there's all these templates. I used to be many years ago before I opened my business, I was a trust officer at a bank 
um, had many positions and we had um, we didn't have lawyers on staff, but we brought lawyers in all the time that were trust and estate attorneys because they knew that law. And, you know, it changes constantly. So somebody recently asked me something and I used to sell life insurance, you know, 40 years ago. Someone recently asked me about life insurance because they knew my background. And here was my I said, listen. Here's how it was. That doesn't mean it's how it is. Right. Better talk to an attorney or an accountant because I I don't know how the laws have changed, but I think it's the same for us business owners. Sure. Laws keep changing. And if we don't have someone like you that we can reach out to to say, I heard this. Am I affected? Even a simple question like that, because we don't really know if we're going to be affected because right. we don't know how to read the legal jargon. So right. we and need someone like you in our life. Yeah. And your point before about not knowing or I didn't realize that doesn't hold water in court. Yeah. You can't tell a judge that. I, I mean, you're a professional. You're in business. You have to get licensed. You have to file with the state you have to pay your taxes. You have to right. do everything you're supposed to do right. when it comes to dealing with the Department of Labor and all those types of things. And you can't really say. I didn't know. I didn't know my people really should have been W-2 employees instead of independent contractors. That's a very right. clear rule, um, and which a lot of people violate. And that's just not an excuse. You can't tell the police officer, I thought, I, I didn't realize I thought it was a 25 here. And it's a 55, you know, it's just no, ignorance is no excuse. And there are situations where you're a, just an individual and they're going to give you a break. But if you're a business owner and you're doing this for profit and you're, you know, you're registered with the state, you're doing all the things you're supposed to do. If you mess up, they're going to hold your feet to the fire on it. That's their job. That's all they do. You know, and, and it, they don't even have discretion. Yet. So I, th- we need we need to we have like my 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 intro, right? My communication style. We all have blind spots. So it's it's OK. It's OK right. because we have resources like you. And you can't Amen. know what you don't know. You can't be <laughs> right. So so you rely on professionals to do this for a living. Absolutely. To, to, you know, taxes, too. I mean, really. As a business owner, if you're a W-2 employee, you have very few deductions. Could you do it on your own? I guess. If you're a business owner, you really should not be preparing your own taxes. First of all, you don't know what things you can take advantage of. That's right. And you don't know what you're doing wrong. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I believe in professionals. Here's the other thing too, Mitch, right? Why Why would someone hire me? Well, I'm a professional in sales and I can help them, but do they need me? Some people do, some people don't, right? So if I'm a lawyer, I don't need you. <laughs> I'm not a right. lawyer, I need you. So here's my right. next question. Well, I don't, I think everyone needs you. I think some of the people don't realize that they need you. <laughs> That's really it. Same with lawyers. <laughs> they don't realize what they don't you know until you come in and say, what are you doing here? And you change everything. And then their life has changed. It's because funny. they realize that what you can do. Yeah. Well, I'm laughing at that because amen. And here's just when I'm in networking, a lot of times, you know, you get into those little breakout rooms and people go, Oh, I'm really good at sales. Then they continue to vomit everything they do. And I think, yeah, you're good at sales, but it's just funny. Our perception, like, Oh, I got the, I could, I could use, uh, what is the thing online that you can use? Uh, zoom. Zoom. Legal Zoom. Oh, Oh, let me go to legal zoom. Oh yes. Break out hives during this discussion because I hate legal zoom. Well, I don't like templates either personally when I train. Yeah, so here's people. the problem with templates. It's a good thing you brought that up. They may be right or they may be wrong, but you have no idea why each clause is in there, whether you should That's include right. it or not, because you, no, right. you have no experience. So what's the point? Look, That's even right. in the banking business, they use, they don't expect all the people preparing the documents when you borrow money, for example, to know all the documents, but they use companies and services that they pay a fee to That's that right. guarantee the accuracy of the documents because the bank knows they got to cover themselves and they can't expect their employees to know right. everything that they're providing. So that's right. 
Yeah. Agree. Agree. Yeah. And, and that's like in my world, people say, just give me the script to read. I don't get scripts. I don't believe in scripts. Your client is, is not a cookie cutter. We have to customize every conversation. Are there some basic questions? Sure. But am I going to give, I could give you a format or a framework to come from, but I will never give a script because the, I don't know your situation and I don't know your client's situation. Very dangerous. So thank you for commenting on that. Why, why should we put things in writing, right? That we hear that all the time, put it in writing. Why? Well, you know, and I, and I've done, I've talked to memory experts. I've done a lot of studies on this and we do not, as much as we like to think that we can remember everything and we testify to it in court. And this is the, one of the reasons why it's so easy to impeach a witness in court is because we don't remember things correctly. It's just not the way our minds work. Our minds are not a filing cabinet. Now, some people have very, very, very accurate memories, but even in other parts of their life, they don't remember things. So things aren't like filed away in a special folder in your head and you pull it out. You have a box with stuff in it. And after a while, different things get stuck to other things. It's like we're all sticky notes. And and you swear that you I was with you on this date and we went there and you look at me and go, Mitch, I was in Chicago at a business conference that weekend. Like you were? And you, and you swear in your mind that that was the case. So it is very rare that even amicable parties will remember a business dealing or an agreement between parties to be the same. It it just doesn't happen that way. So if you do things on a handshake, right, which is a very dangerous way to do business for a lot of reasons, but the biggest reason is you're both going to remember what happened differently, Yeah. right? That's why it becomes very dangerous not to put things in writing. It's also an interpretive thing. So you and I might be remember the situation the same, but I may interpret what you're saying differently than you interpreted what I was saying. So if it's in writing and it has certain clauses in there that say, listen, if there's ambiguity in here, don't hold it against me because I drafted the contract. Or if we have a dispute, we're going to go to mediation before we go to court or this remains private or I'm not allowed to you know, put disparaging remarks a- about you if we dis- disagree on things. All that stuff becomes very important when there are misunderstandings and disputes. And there will always be misunderstandings and disputes unless we're both dead. That's when things stop. But as long as your mind's working, thinking about things, not putting things in writing is a very dangerous way to to run your business. Yeah, it's funny when you were describing that, like you and I have a conversation. We remember the conversation, but you're because you have filters. I have filters. Um, Think about you go to a movie with the friends and you leave the movie theater and you go for a cup of coffee or something after and you talk about the movie and this pivotal moment. You're like, I couldn't believe. And they're like, why? That's not what they meant by that. Right. Same, same movie theater, same timing, same environment two different perspectives right. because we have our filter. So really, really good point with that. We've all had that experience going to the movies, right? right. Where you're like, and then you said even argument over it that the other person's wrong. Right. Like, how exactly. did, were you, were you not there watching right. it's the same thing in business? We have to be really careful. Yeah. I know, I know that you talk about, there are really 10, probably more, but 10 mistakes that most business owners make. Can we kind of go through them slowly? Cause I'll probably interject a little bit too, and ask more questions, but is, is that cool if we go through those 10? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if we can go, we should go through every single one of them, but there, you know, there are general themes and general perfect. problems that that's perfect breaking down. One is obviously not putting things in writing, right? That's a big one. Another one is, um, and this follows the writing thing is not having agreements between your partners 
when you form your business. So if you have partners and you're in business, if you don't have an operating agreement, if you, if you haven't set down the rules that you're using to run and operate your business, wait till the day where you're breaking up and the attorney comes in and says, well, let me see your operating agreement. And you both look at each other like, uh, and you have nothing. Yeah. That's what lawsuits are made of. That's what costs you a lot of money. Um, yeah. Common other mistakes um, in, in the insurance world. I find that a lot of business owners don't properly protect their business in terms of how they're structured and the coverages that they have. And they don't keep their, their, you know, their agents up to date when things change. Yeah. Um, or if a claim happens, you know, you notify your insurance carrier right away. I was going to get my haircut the other day. I get to my building where uh, my barbershop and there, uh, there's my friend who she owns the, the barbershop. And she looks at me, I go, why, why are you all standing in the street? And why is there a fire truck over there? Well, there was a fire in the building next door and the smoke got in there and they had to, they had to shut down. I said, listen, you notify your carrier immediately because they may not cover you for certain things or there may be coverage that you don't realize business owners make that mistake all the time. I've had businesses burned to the ground. And the guy says, you know, I've been meaning to update my insurance with all my insurance agents. And they only have $40,000 worth of coverage. And that was 10 years ago when they started the business. Yeah. And they should have had a half a million dollars yeah. of coverage. So that, that's another problem. Stay on insurance with me for a minute. What are, let's say, because there's a lot of service um, providers out there now, especially with COVID and Zoom, we've expanded our reach, sure. right, as business owners. What kind of, like when I was selling insurance, I had errors and omissions. Yeah. What insurance should someone service provider other than your equipment and stuff? What other things should you have from an insurance perspective? Liability? I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone should have a base, what's called a BOP, a business owner's policy. It should have maybe a half a million dollars of liability coverage, as well as any of the other contents and things like that. It might have loss of income. Some of them have. Um, cyber, cyber security and cyber insurance riders, but they generally tend to be, you know, kind of weak. As a matter of fact, I just moved over. I took the cyber uh, endorsement off of my business owner's policy and I purchased a, a more comprehensive standalone cyber policy because if I get a virus, somebody gets a hold of files, and they lock me out, ransomware, whatever, could cost me money. So that's, that's, those are becoming more standalone. There are employment practices, liability insurance, EPLI. If you have a large organization and more employees, it's definitely something you should look into so you don't get a harassment claim or something that you know, needs to be covered. And some of these policies are really just paying the legal fees of dealing with the issue that really shouldn't be an issue. You know? um, but that, and, if, and obviously, if you're a licensed individual, you might need Arizona missions, non-practice insurance, um, that type of stuff. Also, you want to make sure you're not operating as a sole proprietor that you're an LLC and you're properly insured as an LLC. So you don't end up personally liable for something that you're don't intend, you know, unintended consequences. So the LLC kind of keeps you out of the, right, how you're chartered and your business is set up. Um, What about if we, like, let's say I have personal liability policies that should not like an umbrella policy, an umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. That generally doesn't cover commercial activity. So the same thing, you could get a little 500,000 liability policy for the business part of it. Correct. Generally what you have is like a homeowners or an auto policy, and then you get an umbrella. So the umbrella adds maybe a million dollars of coverage over your home, your auto, your boat, whatever else, but it usually doesn't cover commercial. So you want to check you know, with your, with your carrier. Great. There's commercial umbrellas too, people that need higher, higher limits. Also, if you own real estate, like let's say you bought a couple of homes and you're renting them first, they shouldn't be in your name, right? 
Um, and you, you, so you should put them in an LLC or multiple LLCs and don't assume that your, your personal umbrella policy covers insurance there. So you want to make sure you have separate insurance for that. And maybe it'll be covered by your umbrella. If your carrier agrees to it, maybe you, maybe you need some other coverage. Don't just assume, find out what it's doing. That's important because I think a lot of business owners, right? They buy the commercial real estate too and have right. tenants and other things so that if you are renting, what's what's the, and and we're buying in our portfolios, our personal portfolios sure. where you have rental properties. Yep. Um, so that's another really good point. I think that's- trips a, on the property that wipe you out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. What are, what are some of the other things that you see like, ah, again, I'm seeing this, right? Yeah. Um, I see a lot of failures on um, business owners to follow the labor laws. You know, when you're a smaller company, you don't really think about it. And then as you hire people, yeah. you know, every state has their own requirements. Um, I mentioned before about, you know, a very common mistake is that a small business owner gets started and they have some virtual people, right? So they have a virtual assistant. They have this, that. They're paying them as an independent contractor because maybe the virtual assistant has her own company, his company, right? So he or she is working for multiple people, just like I do as a lawyer, just like you do as a consultant. Yep. And you give them an invoice and they 1099 you at the end of the year, you pick up his income, you pay, and you pay your own expenses. Yep. There's a lot of organizations and a lot of companies that have people on independent contract uh, that are set up as independent contractors. They pay them on a 1099 and they're really supposed to be W-2s. So you get an organization with 30, 40, 50 people that are on contracts instead of W instead of being paid on a W-2. And by the way, it doesn't matter if they're seasonal, doesn't matter if they're hourly, doesn't matter if they don't work, work regularly. If they work for you and you have control over what they do and they're not paying their own expenses and they're not doing this or that, and they certainly don't have a separate company set up, they are a W-2 employee. I don't care what you want to call them. And if the DOL comes in and you get audited, you can end up with multiple thousands of dollars in fines per employee. Yeah. And good luck negotiating that one, which I've done, but it's not easy. Yeah. So, you know, and there's a lot of industries that have that practice that have, um, you know, like, like private schools, after school programs, things like that, where they where the teachers might be working in multiple places yeah. and they're 1099ing all the, and that's not the right, that's not correct. It's not correct. They're W2s at all the places that they work. And so that's a big common mistake, not knowing the Department of Labor rules. Yeah. And uh, you said something too, that different states have different, you know, obviously rules. different regulations yeah. and rules. So now that people are like, I have international clients, right? So yeah. what's, wh how do I know, right? That I have people in California, they're not in their clients in California. Is the law based on New Jersey where, where we're based or does it depend on the industry? You know, that's a good question. So you're not talking about clients. You mean about if you have employees, like virtual employees? No, I'm saying located. clients that are well, clients are a little bit different. So the clients are the are the, the, the issue more like their clients are yours. So they want to contract with you. You want to give them some sort of an agreement. Yeah. The laws will in we're talking in the United States, right? The laws yeah. will apply based on what your contract says. OK, if you don't have a contract and you get into trouble, generally, the state's going to protect its own citizens. So you're going to have to deal with the state in which you're doing business in. Okay. Some of those issues have yet to be determined because we're in such a world now that's we didn't have all these virtual employees. Yeah. I can tell you that if you have overseas clients and you you can contract you know, with them and so forth, but it's probably going to be pretty hard to enforce as a small business owner 
enforce a contract in China or or England yeah. or Spain. It's not going to be worth it. Um, but it's a representation, you know, what you're agreeing with. So I would, I would yeah. contract. And as for employees, yeah, I think the employees are going to be, you're going to have to follow the laws where the person's located. They're not magically subject to the New Jersey laws because they're working at a war. Yeah. It's not going to so work that way. That's interesting. So are you seeing a lot of that now that people have, because after a lot, I'm going to give you an example. My niece worked for a company. Yeah. Um, she went to them and said she wanted to move uh, to Tennessee. So she right. went to them very upfront and said, listen, we're staying remote. If I move, am I going to get penalized? And their only request was, they said, you could do that. But if we have quarterly meetings or we have meetings that we need to physically be here, you just have to come back. And she's right. like, absolutely. I will make, make sure I'll come early, you know, work right. from up here. Cause my sister still lives up here. Um, but now that's all changing. She's still, she's still a W2, but now yeah. she's in Tennessee, not paying the Jersey tax. You see right. what I'm They'll saying? Be paying the tenants. She pays the tax where she's located. Sure. And they may have certain filings they have to do in Tennessee. In addition to New Jersey, which is, you know, it's an issue with regard to, I mean, you're going to see, that's why like, uh, if you're familiar with PEOs, employee leasing, co what's called co-employment, yeah, that becomes more palatable, right, to a smaller organization that has employees in different parts of the country. When you now have you're basically subcontracting out, subcontracting out to another organization to handle that all for you, you're trying to do it yourself, and you got an employee in Montana, and Oregon, and Tennessee, and Texas, and yeah. you're in New Jersey. Like you said, there's no excuse to say, oh, "I didn't realize we." States, well, then you shouldn't be hiring people there. Another business model for anybody listening that you think, oh, that sounds like fun to manage multiple people around the world. That's what co-employment is. Yeah, yeah, but it's interesting. You said before too, COVID. I are you seeing the laws change exponentially now compared to pre-COVID, where you know it is what it is. Now, COVID has put a whole different spin on business. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen a lot of that. I, I will preface it by saying I'm not an employment law attorney. I mm-hmm. do non-disclosure agreements, employment agreements, basic stuff. I've yeah. negotiated with the DOL. But so, but in, I'll give you an example. During COVID, New Jersey, Murphy, Governor Murphy signed into law an even more stringent rule about a W-2 versus a, uh, a 1099. The reason being is that the state is interested in protecting its citizens and its employees. So they made it more difficult to qualify as a contractor, and it was hard before. So, you know, in most situations, people, even if they've been contractors for a long time, are not contractors. They're employees. And it's a different, if an employee has a complaint, they're not getting paid, they get to go to the Department of Labor, there's a a simplified hearing process, they can file it, they generally don't need an, an attorney. If they're a contractor, that does not apply. And you're kind of on your own, which is why the state doesn't like the whole 1099 thing. Interesting. See, this is I so think they make more money too. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure of that. That's right. that's see again, know your state is is another big piece of the puzzle, right? Federal yeah, yeah. government, we all have to abide by, but at your state level, there are little mini changes that you might be affected by. So really, right. really double check. And there's is- other laws you're skirting accidentally, like uh in pension laws and you know, benefits that people are supposed to be included on and aren't because they're listed as a contract. Or workers' comp, they have to be covered. I've, I had a client contact me today. The Department of Labor told me I got to put my contractors on workers' comp. I said, do they work for other people? He goes, I don't think so. Do do they pay their own expenses, have an LLC? No. Okay, they're employees. I don't care what you think. So 
you know, so that that you, you're doing things, you're violating laws you don't even know about it until you get a letter in the mail. Nobody likes it. it says Department of Labor. We are conducting this audit. Our records show this. We're going to see on this date. Please have all these things available to us. And you're like, I don't even know what half those things are. It's not a good letter. It's not a letter you want to get. Yeah, it's fascinating. A- again, blind spots and we all have them. And when it comes to law, I mean, you know, the laws change, right? They have to they have to change. Cyber laws are changing. They have to change because of the technology. So how do you like I'm not a lawyer. How do you right. keep up with it? You have to have someone like you. What are some of the other big mistakes you see, Mitch? Um, I, I see people, some of the mistakes I see people do is that they don't follow the formalities required by law. I'll give you an example. When you set up an LLC um, or a corporation, which has even more stringent laws, I do, uh, rules to follow that are set by statute, you have to pretend like you're a corporation. So you can't be, you, you can't set up your LLC for your company and then pay everything you can through the, not even have a personal bank account, right? You run everything through the company, even if, right? Even if you are accounting for it properly, meaning you pay personal expenses, you don't take them as deductions, you pick them up as personal income, you only deduct things that are legitimate, right? You're still exposing yourself to personal liability. It's what an attorney's going to do. A good litigator is going to look and say, okay, they're going to subpoena your records. They want to see your personal bank records. They want to see your company's bank records. When they see there's no personal bank records, they're going to say, they're going to make a motion to what's called pierce the corporate veil, reach through the company to you personally, to your personal assets. You're not getting any protection by not following the rules. So it's very important that you follow those, the, the formalities of running a business. And a lot of yeah, people just don't. They, you know, they have one banking on one credit card. They swipe it and just forget about it and send it to their CPA. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's so funny. I asked my accountant because I do a lot of speaking, right? I do the podcast. I have the YouTube channel. So it's a lot of visible. Part of my branding, right, is me. Yeah. And so last year I said, you know, I get my lashes done. Can I write that off? He was like, no. <laughs> right. Just well, just like you can't write off your dry cleaning, even though it's, <laughs> it, you know, even though it's for business. Exactly. I was not happy about that. I wanted my lashes to be covered. Um, just just a funny aside. Uh, yeah. So that's another that's another um, good one, right? The LLC formation, and then we pay everything, thinking that oh yeah, I could just write everything off. No, no, you can't. It's oh, you can't. It's disrelated. Yeah, yeah, and you can look. There's there's an art. It's more of an art than a science to taking deductions. As a business owner, you get to make your money, spend your money, pay taxes on what's left over. When you're a W two employee, they take your taxes up front, and you got to pay it right away. So. There are some advantages of being a business owner, but you got to be able to defend that when, if you get audited and when you, when you submit your papers. I'm trying to think of another one. Another one that I'm a big stickler of and a big proponent of, and I know you and I talked about this, is not having a written working business plan. So some people write basic business plans to get started, goes on the shelf, never see it again. Other people don't write a business plan at all. They might have notes and they do you know, we go back to the whole thing about our memories and not remembering things. You put your ideas in writing, you develop into a business plan, and hopefully over time, that business plan becomes a working document for the company. Maybe it becomes, it goes from being a business plan to being a handbook for the employees, a, an operations guide for the company, a financial guide for, you know, all the finances of the business, and a marketing plan. And you grow that over time as you grow your business. A lot of people don't and you can start with a one page, the lean canvas is a bunch of different ones. Um, if anybody's listening, by the way, send me an email. I'll be happy to send them a template to write a business plan. I have one that's as small as four parts, but it's really like a 10 to 12 part 
you know, um, cool. template. Uh, and there's other ones out there. Score has a very good one, which I based mine on. There's a lot of, if you did a search for business plan templates, but that helps you through a lot of problems. It helps you, like you talk about blind spots. When you work out a business plan properly, it helps you see things down the road that could happen yeah. that you don't anticipate when you're like, you, you have all this cash flow coming in and you're really not making any money and you have no idea. That's what happened with COVID, right? The cash flow stopped and all of a sudden people are like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean we're making money? How are we paying our bills? Well, because we're paying our bills with last month's money. And then it just kept coming in every month. Once it hits a brick wall, good luck. So I'm a big proponent of written business plans, but ones that are usable, workable, and are continually changing. Yeah, but isn't that business, right, Mitch? Like we were saying, laws change too. Well, business changes. I am not yeah. doing what I did 20 years ago. To some extent, yes, but it's exponentially more than when I started, when I opened my doors 21 years ago, you know? Of course, of course. And look, there are people that are successful in it despite themselves, meaning that they, they not really do a business plan. They have a lot in their head and they, they get through it and they figure it out. But we know business business failure is the rates of business failure is very high. Yeah. But if you segregate the people that do the planning and write things down and have a good business plan and follow that, their success rate is very high because yeah. they're, they're part of the 30% that succeed. The 70%, a lot of them fail to plan, don't see the blind spots, you know, don't put things in writing, um, you know, don't learn sales and how to do things properly like you teach them. And they struggle and they don't learn social media and they don't hire professionals to help them as they grow. My best business owners know exactly how much business they have to do before they add a new person or bring a new team on or whatever it is. They know their numbers so well. And they don't know that because they, there's some genius and they're doing calculations in their head. They have it in writing. They keep track of it and they write it down. They check it. And they, and, uh, that's on my yeah, but, but no, I, I hear you because it's the same thing with sales. Like if I say to some business owner, so, all right, what, you know, show me what your, your income stream looks like. Show me your packages. Where's the money coming from? Do you have different offers on no the idea? And they go, uh, well, what do That's you sell the most? Uh, what's your close ratio? Uh, correct. you know, no it's idea. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're marketing and you're watching the clicks on the back, but what is that translating into business? Because if you're doing this marketing and you're getting no results, why are you doing that marketing? Because I, I no way to measure anything. Well, because I was told to do Facebook ads. Well, are they working for you? Is that yeah, what you have no are? idea? And so again, it's just, I just think sales. So that's, you know, I understand what to ask. You understand law and the business. Right. I love that. By the way, I do want a copy of that. Okay. I should update mine. I, you, now that yeah. you said that, that was a low priority. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm running. I'm doing, I know, I know, I know what I'm right. doing. Well, it's a time to take a step back. And by the way, even solopreneurs like us need a business. I, I've had it, even attorneys come to me. I made a business plan challenge a couple of summers ago. Uh, where people were logging on, you know, once a week, and I think it was like an eight week program or four. And we, I was like, no, what it was, no, 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 it was a one week challenge to write your business plan. So it was every day I would release parts or whatever. Not many people got through it by them. It's like two people, but I had attorneys contact me like, should I, should I, do this? what do I need a business plan for? I go, what do you do this for a hobby? I mean, you know, but I think your point's a very good one, right? People don't track their business to be able to make the kind of sales decisions, marketing, relate to PR decisions that are effective. The ones that do it are making decisions that they know will, will result in good, will end up in good results and other ones that they drop because they're not working. You can't just call up your CPA and say, what did we do last year? We did a million too. Oh, I guess things are going well. We did a million too in gross. We did two million in gross. 
But if you're, but if half of your budget's going towards things that aren't working, you're just wasting money. You might, maybe two million is not great. Maybe you should be doing five. I don't know, but you're blind. Like you said, blind spots is the name of the, that's the word of the day. Yeah. And you know, it's it cracks me up too. And we are out of time, but I, I, I need to mention this, you know, a lot of my clients, um, We'll go in, I'll go in and say, well, okay, let's, let's talk about what culture you want to create, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times I'll say, what's your follow-up system? Oh, we don't need to follow up. Why don't you need to follow up? Because we have enough business coming in. We're meeting our goals. And then, so yeah, my response is, well, that's great. What if we can, since you're meeting your goals, what if we could get double the production, zero costs, zero additional costs and zero additional effort, just having better conversations. Right. Oh, I don't think we need that. That's, you know, and I go, oh, and why are you here? Right. Yeah. And why? And and the other thing, too, is the other what I'm seeing now, especially post covid, when they have that mindset, people are leaving in droves because they think, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not making more money personally. There's no career advancement here because the executive team sometimes doesn't see the forest from the trees. Right. So the business true. plan, I think, is such a, a, a dynamic piece of paper, right? It's really yeah. dynamic. You should be adding and changing. And if you have a big organization like that, people should be involved with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we go on for hours. So. Oh my goodness gracious. Like we're at the tip of the iceberg, my friend. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, this was great. Thank you so much. I hope it got everybody who has a business, um, even my corporate clients, you know, my execs that, that listen in, I really hope that we have all our ducks in the row because we certainly don't want to find out and lose money because we work so hard and our, our passion is our business. Our passion is our career, whatever it is. And then to make a mistake because it's in a blind spot because you didn't know what right. question to ask and you didn't hire the professional, whether it's marketing, today's conversations, law or me sales, you're leaving money on the table or you're going to lose money down the road. Protect yeah. yourself. It, we can be proactive with this. Right. Absolutely. Easily, easily. So of course, here's the deal. I love Mitch. I think he's one of the coolest attorneys I've ever met. So um, I think you need more Mitch in your life. Go to, and it's uh, Bent, say Beinhackerlaw.com. Bein is B-I-N-E in my end. Bein like Einstein. Bein. Bein, like Einstein. I don't remember. So it's B-E-I-N and then hacker, H-A-K-E-R law.com. I will put it in the show notes. If you want to talk to Mitch directly and you want that business plan, email him at Mitch at buy, don't do it. <laughs> Binehackerlaw.com. Binehackerlaw.com. Yep. Um, so yeah, check it out. I'll put that in the show notes. Reach out to him. Have a conversation if you think that you might have some exposure. Um, Mitch is a really cool guy. Honestly, he's he's great to hang always out with and talk to. Yeah, always available. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you so much. We talked about so many good things. I hope it got everyone's juices kind of flowing to say, I think I need help with this. Or he mentioned that. I don't even know what it is. Very dangerous to not know something that we talked about. Pick up the phone or email Mitch and have a conversation. Um, Mitch, thank you again. Always good seeing you, my friend. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together that growing your business, growing your career, protection is needed. We have to make sure that our legal documents and all the privacies and all those things are in place. Um, We don't want to make a silly mistake that could cost us money. Money is time. Time is money. Use Mitch. Reach out to him and hopefully he can help you with whatever your situation is. Um, Thank you again. You've been listening to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman. 
on webtalkradio.net. As always, I'm honored to have you on this journey of business and sales and life with me. And I really hope that my guests and I provide um, usable tools and usable strategies that you can implement immediately. If you don't have a business plan, they're your first uh, plan of attack. Also, if you're not sure if your documents are up to date, please reach out to Mitch. Don't be foolish. Don't be silly. Utilize the resources that I hopefully constantly bring to you to help you move the needle of whatever you're going through in your life and business. Thank you for tuning in. I love you all. I'm honored that you're here. And again, thank you to Mitch for being such a great guest. Have an awesome week, everybody. See you next week. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.